and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of the heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Oh my goodness, we're back! I have missed you all. I've had a lovely break. If you do follow me on Twitter, you'll probably already know, but I have decided to work on my research proposal for a PhD in myth studies, which is super exciting. That's what I've been preoccupying myself with at least. I'm hoping for a January submission, but if anyone's interested to get to know what I'm doing, give me a bell. I'd love to hear what you think and talk to you about it. But otherwise, it's been pretty chill, been working, I shaved my head yesterday, which is quite intense, and it's very cold over here in the UK, just in time for spooky season, but probably not the best time to shave your head. But speaking of which, this monster is also pretty spooky, and originating in a place that we've not actually covered before. So this week, it's a really fun one, it's the gargoyles from French and European folklore. It's a really common monster. It's a really common one, and one that most people have heard of, even if they're not a massive mythology nerd like me. They are generally described as a winged, fanged creature that are made of either stone, cement or brick, and they live on the sides of churches and gothic structures from Europe, such as castles and monasteries. These are very literally real, you can see these in real life on the sides of these buildings, so they do very literally exist but it is debated that they are a monster from this form. During the day, it's said they sit hard as nails in their posts, watching everything. However, at night, their stony bodies turn to flesh, and they are able to move freely and shed their stone-like skin. They also just kind of sit around and watch on their turrets, keeping an eye out for evil spirits lurking around the buildings they guard. But they can also fly around the area, but not too far as their bodies will turn back into stone if they leave the vicinity of their home structure for too long or go too far away from it. They also can't move about in the day, and certainly not through their own choosing at least, and their bodies will revert again to their stony form if exposed to sunlight. In terms of other powers though, they're generally considered immortal, as any damage obtained during the active evening hours is repaired as soon as the gargoyle becomes stone again, they also obviously cannot age or become ill with any sickness or disease, so they are very much impervious to most damage. However, that does lead me on to their one weakness. They can be smashed or damaged when in their stone state, much like a statue could be, for example. If a gargoyle is destroyed whilst in its stoic form, its fleshy form in the evening and soul, spirit, whatever, would also be destroyed. It could also be mutilated this way as well, so if, for example, an ear is chipped during the day for some reason, it would also be reflected in the gargoyle's flesh form in the evening. The coolest power, however, is definitely debated within the mythology of this monster, and that's the power of petrification. Sort of like the gorgons from Greek mythology, however, instead of a gaze from a snaky lady which is immediate death, it can be activated by touch. This infection is really slow and will spread across the body, much like, say, Greyscale from the Game of Thrones universe, 
it said that this type of petrification will last a few days and take that long in order to kill the person and turn them into a statue, ironically as well, which I think is quite funny. There is not much information on why a gargoyle would do this to a person. It's definitely not a nice way to go, but also I just find it quite funny that they turn people into ornaments like them. So Erin, are they good or evil? Because petrification sounds pretty evil. Well, the quick answer is that we're not really sure. It's actually quite tricky to set down a definite history of this monster, differing to the actual gargoyles that can be seen on buildings architecturally. However, I personally think there's a bit of both going on, but I also think evil is quite a subjective term in this case. As their main purpose is to protect their building from evil spirits, which is usually a house of God, be that a castle with a religious monarch, or a church itself, I guess the being's intentions, if they're evil against that place, a gargoyle would attack. However, if you're inside that building, technically it's also them protecting you, which kind of makes it good. So it's kind of tricky, I inherently think it's completely impartial to people, and it only attacks when its actual place of living and perch is threatened. So in theory, its life then is threatened, and that makes sense in a defensive way. Now, on to etymology. The word gargoyle is actually really interesting. Most people read it and go, that is a very, very French word. But it's also Latin, and in Latin it's gargula, which translates to gullet, which comes from the word root gar, which means to swallow in Latin. Now, French is a Latin-based language, much like Spanish and Catalan, Portuguese, Romanian, Italian and Romanche, so it makes sense that it's derived from the same kind of thing, but the actual French word for gargoyle is gargoyle, which is the best French accent I could possibly do, which means throat in English. It's also connected to the French word gargarise, which means to gargle, which is pretty gross. However, I will save you a Google Translate. It doesn't actually translate to this officially, and translates to gargoyle in English. Most of these other Latin languages do also have the same translation too, with garganta in Portuguese and Spanish, and gogola in Italian. Now, in history, they do have a pretty weird background. We kind of have to battle with the fact that these monsters are also very much intertwined with architectural history throughout Europe, which does make things a little bit difficult. Now, you might be wondering, why are all of these translations linked to the idea of them being connected to gargling or some kind of gullet, some kind of water activity within the body, right? Well, it's actually really important to their history and actually why they exist physically as well as within their mythical state as well. However, we'll get onto that a bit later. As usual, I'd like to keep you hanging. Now, of course, the monster did come after the stone ones, but we can trace these creations back to at least the 13th century in French architecture. If you've seen a gargoyle in real life on churches in a European city, or even now in American churches, you might not even notice that there's a functional use to them as well as their spooky side. They're actually used as water spouts, and if you look closely enough, you might be able to see the pipes that flow through them to relieve church roofs of too much pressure and to avoid water damage to the sides of buildings during the very usual wet seasons of Central Europe. Because they were basically an original gutter, they were and still are massively helpful to this day, 
so it is still quite common to find new churches with gargoyles on, but they are very traditionally linked with Gothic architecture. I did say I'd come back to the fact that they were linked to water and spouts and stuff like that, so based off of that you can kind of tell where this translation comes from, and actually where their name kind of comes from too. They were invented, of course, with this in mind, however they did serve another purpose, and we kind of talked about this earlier in terms of the monster description, but due to their hideous looks, they were said to ward off evil spirits, and considering they were usually attached to churches, it was believed they would keep demons out of the house of God as stalwart guardians, so ugly that they would frighten off the evils of hell itself. The rumours of gargoyles as monsters swiftly followed, because it makes complete sense. It's a stone guardian of churches so fearsome it scares off demons. Yeah, I totally get it. However, there is a story that enforces the legacy of the gargoyle as a mythical monster though, which is the story of St Romanus, who had to fight a dragon, as apparently is a pretty common activity for a saint. He did this to save his village, and amazingly, the name of the dragon, and this again links back to our weird etymology this week, was La Gagoyle, so you can kind of see how this does like a major 160, and just all comes back together to having not only the etymology linked to their physical use, but also to this mythical use and linking it to a monster. But the actual story was that he defeated the monster, and he burned the dragon's body. However, because a dragon breathes fire, the head and the neck cannot be burnt as they had previously had fire in them before, I guess they were impervious. Therefore, the saint took the remaining parts and he mounted them on the walls of the church to ward off any threats from outside the village or evil spirits that we talked about earlier. I guess it worked too, since this tradition in churches has remained ever since but does not always feature a dragon's face, but sometimes it really does, and most of the time it's usually just a grotesque kind of demon-looking face. But also that's something we can talk about here now too, the grotesque, which in theory is another French monster. However, I can do like a quick summary here, I'm still trying to decide whether it gets its own standalone episode. It's basically very much the same as a gargoyle, but they do not have wings and they only exist within architecture to frighten off evil spirits. They don't have a physical usage. So actually, if you ever see a gargoyle that doesn't have a water spout of some kind, it's actually a grotesque. So some people do, of course, mix the two monsters up, as they are very similar. But the only difference is, is that the grotesque only has the usage of decoration, whilst the gargoyle has an actual use on the building as well. Speaking of other monsters though, there are also one other really similar stone monsters in comparison to these two, and that's the Golem, which is a monster from Jewish folklore. This monster, it's a bit of an interesting term for that, I suppose, as it can be compelled to do good, but it's basically just animated clay which takes the order of humans, be them good or bad. Now, I am, I'm not going to cover golems very much here because I am going to do a separate episode on them. They're a really interesting creature with a fantastic backstory within the Jewish folklore slash religious texts. So you can certainly see, though, based on the idea that they are made of stone or clay, you can see the comparisons here with these lovely stony beings. 
My name is Nick Perrin, and I'm an actor, writer, and game master. And on Tabletop, I talk with an expert game master every week to find out the best ways to run amazing games and tell epic stories. Looking to start DMing? Or maybe you've been a game master for a long time and want to spice up your table? Then this podcast is for you. Tabletop is released on Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. Now, that takes us very nicely onto modern media with a little break. We actually have so much for this monster this week, which is not unexpected from this centuries-old monster. But for art, I would really recommend looking at the architecture that features gargoyles, such as ones on the Notre Dame being possibly my favourite. Otherwise, I'd really recommend the art from games such as Dungeons & Dragons, or just independent stuff for the monstrous side of these cement demons. The one I actually used this week in the advertising I really like, so if you're into that, I couldn't find the artist, but it's a great piece to illustrate what they would look like. In movies though, we have quite a few. We have The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Fantasia, The Cat Returns, Cast a Deadly Spell, Curse of the Talisman, Gargoyle, Gargoyles 1972, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, I, Frankenstein, Ghostbusters, Rise of the Gargoyles, and Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. For TV, we have Gargoyles, which was the legendary cartoon, it was amazing. Charmed, What We Do in the Shadows, Doctor Who, Monster High, Reign of the Gargoyles, Special Unit 2, Futurama, Fang Face, Adventures of Gummy Bears, Johnny Quest, Huntick, Secrets and Seekers, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Space Ghost, Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, Star Wars The Clone Wars, Wish Fart, Riverdale, Batman The Animated Series, and SWAT Cats. In video games, we have loads. We have World of Warcraft, Warcraft, A Vampire Story, Vampire The Masquerade, Bloodlines, RuneScape, Nightmare 3D, Pokemon, Scooby-Doo First Frights, Splattermaster, Gargoyles The Video Game, Ultima, League of Legends, Nightmare Creatures, Kingdom Hearts, Guild Wars, Final Fantasy, Ghostbusters the video game, Killer Instinct 2, Last Armageddon, Golden Sun, Gargoyles Quest 1 and 2, Fire Emblem, The Sacred Stones, Lego Marvel Avengers, Heroes of Might and Magic, Dragon's Dogma, Drakensang, Elder Scrolls, Disciples 2, Diablo, Devil May Cry 3, Dante's Awakening, Book of Demons, Darklands, Castlevania, Dark Souls, Dark Adventure, Darkest Dungeons, The Crystal of Kings, Area XLSM, Blood, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, and Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. And lastly, my book recommendation this week is Gargoyles and Grotesques by Alex Woodcock for a great view on gargoyles from an architectural perspective if you're interested in that kind of thing especially like medieval European history is really good for this one. It also does, of course, cover the monster mythology aspect too. However, if you're more interested in how gargoyles affect, say, the church and religion, the Daedalus book of medieval literature, The Grin of the Gargoyle by Brian O. Murdoch, is a great one for stories around gargoyles and how they acted as the mockery of the church in the Middle Ages. It's a really interesting take on the gargoyle myth. So do give that a read if you're interested in that half and kind of the religious aspect linked to these monsters. 
But now it's time for Do I think they existed? I mean, we all know that gargoyles do certainly exist in the actual living world, within buildings across the world. There is no denying that, and they do certainly look scary and monstrous sometimes. However, do I think they come alive when people aren't looking? Probably not. Although I do like the thought of them flying around with like normal bats and birds and then being like, huh? Flying next to them. The first time I remember actually acknowledging gargoyles was when I was about 10 at the Natural History Museum here in London, where it's not actually gargoyles, it is grotesques hanging onto the ancient structure. But when I was much older, within the last two years, I went to Paris and saw them in Notre Dame, which unfortunately was still under scaffolding from the horrendous fire. And to see the massive and beautiful gargoyles there was really a blessing. I really recommend it. And then actually, most recently in Copenhagen, I visited the St. Albans Church, which is right next to the Little Mermaid, and saw the smallest and most vicious looking ones I'd ever seen. They were also very much physically in use. You could see them. They were certainly only there as water spouts, but they were pretty scary. I would actually say these were my favourite. But what do you think? Did gargoyles roam the skies at night in medieval Europe? Let me know on Twitter. I would really love to know what you think about this one. But what a fantastic monster, and one that is actually so embedded within our architectural history, especially in Europe, that most people, even if they've not thought of them as a monster, they do know they're actually a thing, which is always a breath of fresh air when you're describing a podcast episode. However, I'm not sure I trust anyone who hasn't seen the Disney version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, so oh, we'll see about that. Next week, though, we're heading over to the US and we're looking at another lovely cryptid, one that haunts the swamps of Kentucky. Yes, we are looking at the horrible Pope-lick monster next Thursday, so make sure you bring your wading boots for this one. But now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. I'd love to give a massive shout out to the Patreons already, and that's Nicholas Sweet. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. It's an absolute pleasure, and I will continue to pump out this content even if it's just for you pal so thank you so much for that come join the fun though share this with your pals they might love me as much as you do but for now stay spooky and i'll see you later babes. Mm-hmm.